the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Podcast, and I am your host Nick DeGilio. Thank you for subscribing, listening, and downloading, and tuning in, and all that cool stuff. It's episode number one hundred forty-seven of the Nick D Podcast here at Radio Misfits. The Radio Misfits Podcast Network is the best podcast network in the world, loaded with incredible podcasts and great entertainment. Not only that, the Radio Misfits have expanded to twenty-four-seven streaming. That's right. We've got some streaming going on 24-7. It's like our own radio station that you can tune into any time you want, any day, any hour, any time. 24-7 streaming service, radiomisfits.live. You should tune in right now. Well, not right now, after you finish listening to this. But you could be listening to this right now. Because this podcast streams every day at 3 p.m. Central at radiomisfits.live. And my other podcast... About Saturday Night Live, that show hasn't been funny in years, that broadcasts every day at 9 a.m. Central. So you can hear this podcast at 3 p.m. Central, the SNL podcast that I host at 9 a.m. Central, every single day, 24-7, among the great stuff that's happening at radiomisfits.live. Great unsigned music, the Unheard Music Show, you can hear that. You can hear so many of the other great podcasts that are available here at Radio Misfits. So it's like our own little radio station, and it's, you know, we want you to tune in. We want you to listen 24-7. Great podcasts, great entertainment, great music. Awesome stuff happening at radiomisfits.live, and that's another reason why you should get on board and advertise on my podcast. That's a great way to do it, because not just uh, on um, you know, the streaming service, but in subscriptions and stuff, I got a lot of people listening to this podcast, so it would be really cool for you to sponsor it. If you want to do that, please contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. Say, I would like to sponsor the Nick D Podcast, or if you're a Saturday Night Live fanatic and you have a, a, you know, an interest in that, Hey, we would love for you to advertise on my SNL podcast. That show hasn't been funny in years. Once a week it drops, and every day it's on the live streaming. So sales at radiomisfits.com. We always invite you, the listener, the subscriber, the person that really makes it all happen. We want you to be a part of this show. We want you to contribute. We want you to make a request for our magic megaphone requests that we do here on the show. I say something into a megaphone. It's a private joke. It's a message to someone you love or you hate or whatever, line from a movie, anything that you want for the magic megaphone. Leave it here with us, or leave your voicemail with questions and comments and any kind of stuff. Our voicemail uh, system is open 24-7-773-417-6948. Leave anything you want to say there at either podcast, and you can drop me an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We want you to be a part of it. Uh, We want you to be a part of this podcast. It's interactive. It's fun. It's awesome, and you matter. So we want to hear from you 24-7-773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you check out our streaming service 24-7 live, going all day, all night, every day, radiomisfits.live. My man Ed at Radio Misfits, who runs the whole operation, he's my main man. He's the man. He's the one that took me in when no one else would. 
gave me two podcasts, not just one, said, yes, please do more. So now I get to do this podcast, which I love so much, and uh, my specialty podcast, which is all about Saturday Night Live. And by the way, uh, the podcast that drops tomorrow, drops every Wednesday, uh, is my guest is current cast member Michael Longfellow, who made an unbelievable splash on his first season uh, season 48, and uh, I got to talk to him, and uh, we interview him. We talk about what it was like to be a part of the season, what it's like to work on SNL, some of the classic bits that he did, some of the unbelievable Weekend Update desk segments that he did. He was a great guest. It's a fantastic interview. If you're a Saturday Night Live fan and you're a fan of the new featured players that debuted just this past season on season 48, well, Michael Longfellow is one of the best new players on that show, one of the best cast members. And I was lucky enough to interview him, and I hung out with him. I saw him at Zany's over the weekend, and he was hilarious at Zany's in Rosemont. He was hilarious and great, and I hung out with him, and we, we bonded. Let's just say that I can call him right now if I want to. So we're buddies, and uh, in fact, he promised that the next time I go to New York, I can get in and see the show. So that's going to happen if the writers ever go back to work. <laughs> that's, the, that's the question. Pay the writers. There's another initiative for you jagoffs who are not paying what they deserve to pay them. Because selfishly, I want to go to New York and hang out at SNL. So there you go. <laughs> but in all seriousness, pay the fucking writers, dumbasses. Anyway, Michael Longfellow is my guest on tomorrow's brand new episode of That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, and there are over 20 episodes available now um, uh, with that podcast. I love doing that podcast because I love Saturday Night Live so much, and we've had great guests, and we've had really interesting topics, and I take you on a deep dive into certain episodes and certain seasons and certain sketches. I love doing it. It's loaded with all kinds of really fun audio and clips and memories and all kinds of cool stuff, and this new episode, the latest one, of that show hasn't been funny in years. Michael Longfellow from season 48 is my guest. So make sure you tune into that. Uh, my thanks to Jason Skaggs for doing all the sound and the weird stuff and the themes and the music for both podcasts uh, and everybody at Radio Misfits. Uh, it is the first Tuesday of the month, which means it is time for a For the People episode. That's right. Once a month, we dedicate an episode to you, to the consumer, to the people who buy stuff and is, are worried about things, to the people who drive cars. Everyday consumers like yourself who have cars, who have to pay bills, every month we do an episode dedicated to your issues and your concerns and your problems and the latest news in the world of automotive stuff with Tom Appel from Consumer Guide Automotive and in the world of consumer issues and scams and keeping your money safe with Herb Weisbaum. And Herb is going to join us. He's our consumer man. You can check him out at checkbook.org. And we talk about all the latest news, the stuff that matters to you. And again, you have questions or comments about cars or consumer stuff like that for Herb and Tom, 773-417-6948, or email me, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. So we will dive headfirst into For the People with Tom about cars and Herb about consumerism, and that's all coming up. And it is a Tuesday. That means my dad is still going to come by and tell a joke, and he's going to have to say hello to her. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. Anyway, Carrie Russell rules. Yes, Hi, she I'm does. Hi, I'm Carrie yes. Russell, and I love Nick's show. Oh, and she's wearing a T-shirt that says, I love Nick's dad's jokes. Nice job. So my dad will tell a joke. <laughs> Tom Appel will tell us all about cars, and Herb will join us after I say congratulations, and we will talk about all things consumer issue related. Thank you for subscribing. Please check out RadioMisfits.live, 24-hour streaming service. And please check out my Saturday Night Live podcast immediately. All right, Herb Weisbaum, the consumer man, is next after I wish you a congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. 
don't be a jaggle. The Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming. The Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes, he is our man. The very heroic theme music of our guest from checkbook.org and consumerman.com. He is the Consumer Man, and he helps you out every uh, first Tuesday of the month as part of For the People, and it's Herb Weissbaum. Hi, Herb. Hey, Nick. It's amazing you can afford that big orchestra every time we talk. It's like, you should, really powerful. You should see what they do to my kitchen, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Very <laughs> anyway, funny. It's crazy. Well, uh, welcome back uh, to the podcast. And uh, tell everybody about You Are the Consumer Man and just the history of the Consumer Man in general and where we can get your stuff. Sure. I'm a contributing editor at checkbook.org. We're a nonprofit that rates services in seven major cities across the country. We'll go through those later as we give you the uh, free link that uh, Nick D podcast listeners can use to get uh, a trial of our services. So while Consumer Reports does the the materials, they, they rate, uh, you know, appliances and siding and roofing and paint and all that. We rate the services. We rate the roofers and the carpenters and dentists and doctors and veterinarians and orthodontists and, and kennels and those and that sort of thing. Totally non-biased because we don't have any advertisers whatsoever. We're a nonprofit. So uh, we when we rate uh, the services in these areas, it's based on people, our subscribers who live there, as well as the checks we do in our mystery shoppers. I've also been a consumer reporter for more than 40 years now, having worked for CBS News. News, the Today Show, uh, NBCNews.com, and uh, just love what I do. I love helping people and trying to prevent them from the scams and the ripoffs and saving them money. I'd uh, love to be with you every week, Nick. And I want to share one thing with you because we always talk music when we talk. Sure. I got to see Sweet Baby James uh. last week. James was at Chateau Saint-Michel Winery here in Seattle. It's an amazing concert venue. It's out in a big field next to the winery. So the sound is you know, oh, crystal man. clear, not bouncing around in some kind of stadium or arena or something like that. James is 70-something years old now, 75, 70, whatever he is. Yeah. Two and a half hours non of music. There's a little uh, break. Two and a half hours, the guy is amazing. He's got an all-star band now. The only one I remember is that the saxophone player used to be with blood sweat and tears oh my mm. god yeah and it was phenomenal and then he always tries to do some other people's music so he did summertime blues mm-hmm. like this guy likes to rock yeah. oh my it was just absolutely phenomenal so that was my that was my concert thing he launched the season at Chateau saint michelle's his first concert of the year wow. Been, uh, since COVID, I've, I've seen a live concert and this was really great yeah no it's i've seen i've seen james taylor twice one time uh with carol king Yep. And so I've seen him four. Unbelievable. That show, I mean, you know, you get those two songwriters. I mean, Carol yep. King, Carol King, arguably one of the greatest songwriters in the history of music. Yep. And yep. when you look at all the songs that she wrote, not just for herself that she performed, but for other mm-hmm. artists, it's astonishing. But yeah, yes. no, that he's great. And it sounds like a really lovely venue, man. I mean, oh, really. It's, it's 80 degrees that night. It was spectacular. It was beautiful. beautiful. By the way, I've seen James five times because when I was at Syracuse University, I took a course, a one-credit course on the making of records, and James actually there was only 75 kids in the course order. He came and lectured to the oh. class. James and um, 
uh, Clive Davis, who discovered oh my God. Houston, he <laughs> lectured to the class and gave me a private 15-minute interview for my senior documentary. Wow. I, I, and I, ha- I still have it. It's called Behind the Magic Box. And I talked to Clive Davis all about how you pick. Uh, someday I'll share it with you. It's like, no, it I'd love to, I would love, love to see that. that. Yeah. So. I mean, no, Clive Davis, one of the oh, my God, most legendary, one of the most legendary musical figures ever. I mean, wow, yep. that's amazing. That's really yeah. cool. Wow. So, well, cool. Well, I'm glad you had a good yeah. time. Uh, I'm going to see Foreigner and Journey. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, a friend of mine had an extra ticket. You want to go see Foreigner and Journey? And I'm like, all right, whatever. So, I, yeah. People kid me. My brother and I do do uh, rock and roll trivia every weekend when he calls me. It's like, who's this group? And, you know, and, and I was a disc jockey. I, I listened to the 60s. And I was a jock in the 70s. And after like about 74, I stopped listening. It's like, so he says, I stand. They don't, they didn't make any great music after the temps and the tops. I'm sorry. I can't answer any of these questions. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. No. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm an old dude too. I'm not, you know, uh, because like, no, foreigner, me, but yeah, you're yeah. Up there. I mean, but 40, you know, like, like, uh, I, you know, I saw lover boy 43 years ago, you know, oh. I've saw foreigner like 40 years ago and now they're playing yeah. together. Yep. And uh, what are the other bands I'm going to see? I'm going to see only old people stuff. Like I'm going to, right. I, I see Dave Matthews every time he comes to Chicago. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I, like I'll go both nights he plays here in Chicago. I've, I've seen Dave Matthews. Matthews. Dave, uh, no, he's not Seattle. from Chicago. See, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and um, oh God, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Chicago. I'm like, no, he's not from <laughs> Chicago. Um, and uh, you know, and I'm going to see Duran uh, Duran. Uh, uh, you know, like so old bands. I like yeah. the old stuff. Uh, that, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. But anyway, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into consumer stuff. Sure. Um, you before we jump into it, one of the topics that you talked about on your podcast um, is insuring your home, which is a very important thing that we need to talk about and we want to cover. Mm-hmm. But tell everyone about your podcast, where they can hear it, and then we'll jump into what you talked about on one of your episodes. Sure. It's consumerpedia.org. It's available through all the podcasting platforms, so you can subscribe. And uh, the last one we just recorded uh, was about uh, homeowner's insurance because that's such a big expense for so many people. And it's one of those one and done, you know, okay, I bought it, and like, let's just live my life and never worry about it again. And the whole point of the podcast was that you have to shop around every couple of years if you want to save money. And Nick, I don't think most people realize that. I think I got a good deal. I stick with it. They'll take care of me because I'm a long-term customer. Uh, There are actually, believe it or not, now algorithms that have been developed to say this person will never leave. You don't have to give them a break. You don't have to uh, offer them any kind of deals. This person isn't going anywhere. It's used in various industries. But the whole idea that I'm a loyal customer and I'll get rewarded for being loyal, those days are long gone. That was back in Duran Duran days, let me tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) They are gone. They are gone. I got you. Okay. So that was the whole point of this thing. And, yeah, it is a pain to do a little bit of shopping. Or if, you know, you want to, um, I use a broker. Because the broker sells everybody's policies and is basically going to get a commission from whoever I, I buy it from. And they're looking out for me and have really done a great job over these years. And you can easily, I just did it uh, recently because my, my home ownership uh, policy came up. You can easily save $500 and Checkbook has found that some people, depending on your situation, can save $1,500. That is the deal with my boss, Kevin Brassler, our executive editor. His policy came up and he was shopping around. He's been paying for years now $3,000 on home uh, owners coverage, and he found that just by doing a little bit of shopping around a quick search, he could get it down to about $1,500 a year. That is a 50% oh, man, savings. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like I said, you can do it online with some sites. You can get a broker to do it, but it's really important it, to shop around if you want to save money. 
When I, okay, basic question: Where did you find your broker, and how do people find brokers uh, for that? What, what, what's your what's your advice on that? I had a couple of financial people way back when, and I and I literally just said, uh, you know, who do you use, or is there somebody I can talk to that you trust? Uh, I guess if you're in the area, maybe some of the people you know already have an insurance broker or something like that, or mm-hmm. just check the ratings, check them out with the Better Business Bureau. Uh, but uh, again, a broker's working for you, uh, not uh, not the company. Just like I use the travel agent when I go on a cruise. You know, my travel agent's going to get a commission, whatever cruise line I use, and he's out to help me. And you also have the broker in between you and the insurance company when something goes wrong. Uh, just like with a travel agent, if something goes wrong, you can contact the travel agent and they'll be there to help you. Well, we had a tree years and years and years ago. I live in a wooded area in Bellevue, Washington, outside Seattle. A tree fell on my car that was outside in the in the driveway onto oh. the neighbor's house. And I called up the uh, 800 toll-free number. And I said, there's no way we can get in those days. You had to take the car to the uh, adjuster to get it, you know, the claim yeah. adjuster. I said, uh, the car is under the tree. There is no way I'm getting this the adjuster until we get the tree off the car. And this, I swear to God, this is true. The woman on the line said to me, sir, your homeowner policy does not cover uh, shrubbery, tree, you know, tra- landscaping. And I oh. said, we're not landscaping. This is a tree that wiped out my car. Yeah. And she, would, she wouldn't budge. And I called up my agent who said, this is a knucklehead. I mean, what the, you know, and, and, and it was rectified in an hour. And I got, got a tree company to come, et cetera. But you have a middle person to sort of help you out and do this kind of thing. So that's the way to do it. And again, I saved about $500 and got better coverage by uh, changing companies. And it's just one of the things that I don't think, and this is a key point, Nick, you're not going to some lower rated third rate fly by night company. This is one good company, well-rated company, solvent company to another well-rated solvent company. What do you do this? Because they, they're trying to get customers and, and they'll give you a deal to start out with. And then, you know, you may not get the deal after a while. And then it's time to shop around again every two, three, four years. You know, it's something I didn't even I didn't even I don't own a home her, but I but I didn't even know that like homeowners, you know, I would just I just thought that like, yeah, once you get the insurance, that's it. You know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah, I never I, I, I think a lot of people I'm glad you brought this up because I think a lot of people don't even think to shop around. You have to re up. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, uh, no, most of these automatically renew and send you a thing automatically, but yeah. that's what you do. You just like, okay, sure, or you have automatic payment. What? Yeah, sure, fine. Never realizing that you're not may not be getting after a couple of years the best deal from that company. So that's really right. important. Yeah, to do. keep up on that. Keep your and also, what kind of uh, you know, like in terms of coverage, because there are all kinds of different amounts of coverage, like uh, yes. you know, and and stuff like that. What is the right amount of coverage for, for well, you people? What, to, what would you suggest? You, yeah, you need to insure up to the amount it would cost to rebuild your entire home if there was a total loss. So every area, the, the building costs in Chicago are going to be different than the building costs in Seattle. They're going to be different from Oklahoma. So it's that's why it's based on the, you know, they have a formula. It's per, per foot, per, per square foot, whatever it is, building in, in your area to rebuild your home to what it was. And I would strongly suggest to get replacement insurance. You want to get, unless you, you know, because... Costs have gone up. You want it to be be repaired to what you had it with and, and everything that was in your house kind of thing. You know, if you don't get replacement insurance, if you have a refrigerator that gets demolished in the in the fire and the refrigerator was 10 years old, uh, they're going to depreciate that to a 10-year-old refrigerator as opposed to getting you a new refrigerator. So you want to insure for, to me, the value of your house and also replacement insurance to get you anything that got lost, today's modern stuff at that prop uh, that that uh, today's prices the big mistake people make nick is is that they insure or they if they're dealing with a sleazy sales company they will insure to the value of the assessed value of the property so every year i get a thing from the tax assessor and it says how much 
I'm, it's worth the property in the house and how much they're going to tax me. Well, you can't lose the land. The only loss you have is on the house. So, for instance, you know, my my house, uh, the land is worth four hundred and fifty thousand dollars and the house is worth whatever on top of that. Well, I don't insure for the entire, you know, million two or whatever the house is worth for uh, worth. It's, it's actually worth more than that, but it's worth a million five. But uh, I bought it a long time ago. I only insure for the, the the value to rebuild the house. But people I know have insured for the whole value. If you have a $2 million assessed house, they'll insure for $2 million. You're not going to have to rebuild the land. So you're buying insurance coverage that you don't need. There's no need to do that whatsoever. Then there's a lot of incidentals. I mean, I have an umbrella policy. It's only, it's a very low amount. It's a million dollars. If somebody hurts themselves on my property, a delivery man trips on the step. If somebody gets hurt, if they trip on the back deck, you know, whatever it is, I think that's like a hundred dollars for a million dollars coverage or something like that. That's a good thing. Don't worry about identity theft insurance. If they throw it in, that's great. There's no need to buy identity theft insurance. That's an absolute waste. Um, just make sure you're not buying too much coverage. That's just as bad as buying too little coverage mm-hmm. because you throw money out the window or okay. door. Yeah. Uh, or door, whichever, whichever, whichever is not, whichever is not broken. Yeah, whichever is, you know, whatever whatever is not, whatever's right. not covered. That's, exactly. uh, that's, that's what you want. And it, you know, every time we, uh, we watch, uh, commercials for insurance and stuff like that, you hear flow and everybody at progressive yeah. and all the other places, they talk about bundling. That's a big one. Every yeah. single insurance company where you see commercials every two minutes on TV, especially flow tells you about bundling. Yeah. And what is it about? Can you, what are the advantages or disadvantages of bundling your home and auto together? Right. Well, you know, Flo don't know that the boy she loves is a Romeo. That's an old Supreme song, as you <laughs> may know. Wow, going way back again. We're not going to get I you out of the. Lyrics, get- I have lyrics in my head, Nick, that are just absolutely unbelievable. Anyway, um, sometimes Flo's right. Sometimes you can actually get a deal by doing a dual policy. You'll get a discount, a uh, five or ten percent discount. Uh, is great, but it's not great if it, the 5% discount is more than what you'd pay from some other company. So it's certainly worth checking if there's a, and again, that's something a broker will do for you. And my old policy, the way it worked when I bought a number of years ago, um, I literally had to get an earthquake insurance policy because we live in earthquake country from yeah. one company and then card auto insurance from another company. This time around, we found a company, as I said, a really good company that has all three bundled together and gave me a better rate than all three of the other, the other two policies put together. So that's the way we went. But that's, you know, things change. And if you're an area, you know, some companies, uh, you've listeners out in California, some companies aren't insuring California anymore because of the fire hazard. Uh, State Farm is uh, pulled out of California. There's other companies that may not insure in your area. So, I mean, using a broker may really help you know what's going on and, and weather these storms, so to speak. If you live in an area where there's a lot of really bad weather and the insurance companies aren't really sure if they're going to provide that coverage, whatever. Yeah. Well, that's interesting how they just like, oh, yeah, the weather's getting too bad here. We're not going to insure you anymore. We're leaving. I mean, they're there to make money. They're not a public <laughs> yeah. service. And then when yeah. they're losing more money than they, right. than they make, they're going to just pull. You know, I mean, in, in certain places, we may get to be where there's going to be some kind of national insurance pool or something someday with all the forest fires in California and the storms down in the south. I mean, private companies may not be able to provide coverage that we can afford. It may take some kind of group government action kind of thing. That, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Seriously, as yeah. you, you know, I mean, you know. Herb, as you, as any, as everybody has noticed over the years, you know the 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 climate change and all the things that are happening yep. in terms of weather and all the things that are affecting people's lives and houses and things like that. I wouldn't be surprised if there had to be some sort of, yeah. you know, government step in. You know, yeah. There's flood insurance, you know, the national program, and there may that may have to be expanded to something else. I mean, I yeah. I, I think in our lifetimes that's a definite possibility. There's going to be talk about that. So yeah. now, uh, I do not own. I rent. Um, and you know, w- what are the different? What are the uh, 
the advice that you have for people who rent. And also, you know, the rules are a little bit different for condo owners as well. Sure. But if you want to insure your stuff as a renter, you want to insure your stuff as a condo person, what yeah. are some of the, 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 the advice that you have for that? I mean, it's really cheap. You know, you're talking a couple of hundred dollars a year. And basically, you know, for you, Nick, the landlord is responsible for the building. You want to insure your contents. So you just got to get the, you know, rental insurance to cover anything that could, if the place burns down or falls down or things happen these days, uh, that you're, uh, you know, you're covered for that. And the same thing uh, with the condo people, you know, you just want to make sure in most cases the, the condo will take care of that. Uh, and that you just want to make sure all of your stuff is, is insured. And that's, right. you know, really very, very important to be the coverage stops at your doorstep. Yeah. I will say this though, Herb, I had an issue, uh, with, uh, uh, with, uh, with, with ComEd. Oh my God. Again, that's the second time we're mentioning this, right. <laughs> this interview. Um, uh, last year in the summertime, as you know, it gets very hot here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very humid, and uh, a lot of the times, ComEd is pushed to their limits when it's really hot out, and every single person in the world is using their air conditioning or their air conditioning systems or their units. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, we have brownouts and all kinds of crazy stuff happens here where it puts a big stress on the electricity. Sure. Uh, well, I had uh, in in my building and in, in our neighborhood, we had like a huge, ridiculous power surge uh, where our lights would light up. Uh, so at one point. Um, two bulbs blew up in lamps that I had. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and this was, you know, we were starting to get like notices and there's, there's a crew out there working on it right now. There might be some power surges and, um, I unplugged some stuff, but, but before we actually were given the warning, one of my, uh, a f- uh one of my standing, uh, uh, sort of air conditioning fans, just an, a-, a fan that had like a built-in little mm-hmm. air conditioning unit that I would have at the foot of my bed that blew up, that burnt out. Wow. Uh-huh. A, cl- a clock radio that I had for probably 35 years that was my most reliable clock radio that I had in my bathroom that I would put on while I was showering. Mm-hmm. Th- that exploded. Um, and uh, my, my, uh, my, uh, DV- my DVD player, which was old, mm-hmm. that went over and went nuts. And so I lost all that stuff. Um, and, and, uh, and I went to, to the, the electric company and I was like, hey, listen, uh, are you going to reimburse me? Because this is not my fault. Right. And they no, <laughs> I was it's like, insurance company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, no. And I'm and, and I'm like, well, can you give me a discount on my bill? Um, <laughs> and that's that's not going to happen. And and this was all, of course, I didn't talk to a human. You know what I mean? This was me trying to say, hey, your power surge, you right. know, ruined some appliances in my house. How am I going to be repaid for that? And right. it, yep. it ultimately, it was just a waste of my time. And but you know you were lucky because in some cases when there's a power surge those those equipment that fries they start fires. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing for homeowners, Nick, is you know the, the sewer backs up. They're not the city, the sewer company. They're not responsible for that. That's your problem. Yeah. So a lot of homeowners, my policy covers sewer backup. Boy, if that. I mean that can that there's a lot of doo doo involved in it. That oh no, really, I can imagine. I can so imagine. So that's not all that yeah. expensive, also. But that's yeah, that's all your. That's all. Yeah, you got the home. You're you're responsible. That's right. Well, yeah. keep keep an eye on it. Get your best. You know, if you need to bundle, do that and keep an eye on it. And make sure that you're up to date on it. And if you're a renter, it's not that much. It really is not that much. To it's you know really uh, just to make sure that everything in your house is safe. Like if somebody breaks in and steals something, or if there's some sort of. Uh, you know, something that happens. It's good to have that. Uh, and again, if you want to listen to this, it's consumerpedia.org is the podcast. And some of the content, Nick, that we have on the website is on this story is specialized for the different markets. So this would be an appropriate time to give you that free link for your Nick. Yeah, Deasy. please. Please do that. So go to checkbook.org 
slash Nick D Podcast. Nick D Podcast. podcast. Uh, it's a 30-day free trial subscription. You can check out our site, see what's going on. We would love you to join if you live in one of these seven cities, but there's no obligation whatsoever. So if you're in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philadelphia, or Washington, D.C., checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. You can read this new article that just went up on the website, some content for these uh, different cities and also anything where there are ratings uh, in any of our cities in this area for that you might be interested in from, like I said, from any kind of contractor to vets, to orthodontists, to dentists, to doctors, yeah, the, yeah. the whole kit and caboodle. We have it right there on checkbook. All right. And that's an offer just for you guys out there listening. So please take advantage of it. A little trial here for free checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Herb is kind enough to, to give us that deal. So please take advantage of it. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hey, Amazon. I, this is fascinating to me. I, I didn't even know that this was a thing until I read your piece, until I read the piece about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon is being charged with violating child's privacy law. Now, that's a very weird headline until you explain what it is. And then it's something that I never would have even thought of that, of course, makes sense. So please tell everybody about this. Sure. There's a there's a, a law in the books called the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act rule, that's COPPA, and it regulates any company that deals with kids under 13 years old. And it usually involves, the, the main thing you hear about is that you have to be 13 to register for this site. So you hear that on various websites, yeah. are you 13 years old? And, and that's right. the, the point of that because there's a lot of marketing and stuff and kids just aren't savvy enough to know that kind of stuff. And it gives the parents the control over what's happening with their kids. Well, the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice just charged Amazon with violating that COPPA rule by keeping children's voice recordings forever and ignoring parents' requests to delete them. So if kids are talking to Amazon, a lot of times I think the adults may know, they should know that Amazon keeps some of these recordings so they can train their algorithms, they can, uh, the speech to voice, you know, the, the, the thing that they, they listen to you and know, they make that better by doing that. But the deal is, is that first of all, Amazon talks about privacy. It, the quote is, we build our devices with your privacy in mind. And what the feds are saying is that's not correct, that Amazon prominently and repeatedly assured users, including parents, that they could delete voice recordings collected from the voice assistant Alexa anytime they wanted or geolocation information collected by the Alexa app and that the company broke its promise. It kept the sensitive voice and geolocation data for years and used the information that it, quote, unlawfully retained to help improve the Alexa algorithm. And this includes information from kids. And the law is very clear that it says you can't keep kids' data for any reason longer than you need it. You can't keep it to train your algorithms. You can't keep it because someday we may need it for something else. You collect the data for what you need it for that specific use right then and there, and then you've got to delete it. So they sued Amazon. The company agreed to settle out of court, and the company is going to pay a fine of $25 million, which is a penalty, a civil penalty, which is really nothing to Amazon. But the key is, and that's why they do these civil settlements, is they always get the companies who did not admit doing anything wrong, and Amazon did not admit it doing anything wrong, that it will change its business practices to be in compliance with the law and what the feds want. So Amazon has agreed that it's going to institute strong privacy safeguards in the future and that they're going to uh, new, do a few new provisions, including they will not use geolocation voice information or children's voice information subject to consumers' deletion requests for the creation or improvement of any data product. In other words, they're not going to use it and keep it forever. And if you want it deleted, they are going to delete it when you ask to delete it. And they're also, they are going to agree to delete any inactive 
Alexa accounts for children. So if a kid hasn't used it for 18 months, they're now going to delete that information so it's not floating around. It could be hackable or something like that. They're also going to have to tell Amazon customers specifically what their user retention and deletion practices are, and they're going to have to create a brand new privacy program. So even though they only paid a $25 million fine, they are going to change a lot of things that will hopefully protect a lot of parents and a lot of kids from now on down the line. And you got to remember, all this information is money to these companies. I mean, parents have to be aware that when your kids are doing something online, this Amazon's not the only company that's collecting this data. They're doing it to market to you and your kids and your family and all that kind of stuff. So you got to be really careful and, and check this kind of thing. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I had never even really thought about this before. What about, I mean, uh, how is this, what about people who haven't, uh, like gotten in on, on the, on the lawsuit itself? People who were like, well, wait a minute, my kid, are there people? Are there no, people this, who, was a, this was the government suing. There are no people that got in on oh, this okay. lawsuit. Amazon has just agreed to change its policy in the future. It's only going to keep the I stuff see. as long as it needs it, and it's going to delete it after a certain time, and it's going to share everybody the privacy policies. Oh, but see. if you ever sign up for anything involving a kid and you're not sure, check the privacy policy. And you know, I know it's not easy to read, but you might or check reviews that there are sites that look at these policies. You know, maybe go through and search for words like share or keep or delete that maybe gives you some idea. And if you're not really sure, just assume that the site is keeping this information and you better be careful with what your kids are doing because they may be gathering all this information. I mean, that is unfortunately it's a lot different in Europe, Nick, where in Europe you own your data, you tell the app or the website what they can collect how long they can keep it, and if uh, if uh, you want to delete stuff after the fact, like they've collected from you, they've got to do all that. That's how it's in the um, EU. They have very good privacy policy. They think we're fools over here. I did a big <laughs> international conference in Lisbon about 10 years ago, and they're like, what is the matter with you people? Yeah. You know, because we're the Wild West. Give you some for free. Why do you think they're giving it for you for free? Because you are the commodity. They are marketing your data. If you're getting this stuff for free, somewhere along the line, they are collecting all this information and they're putting it together and they're selling it. And even if the data is anonymous, even if the stuff they're collecting is anonymous, it's been shown before that with enough data points and they have so many data points and all of us now, they if they can't pinpoint you, they can probably. Yeah. That's so this, oh, it's going to be anonymized. It's going to be de-identified. You're never going to know who it is. Uh, sorry, sorry to share that with you, but they could figure out who they are if they want, you are if they want to. You know, this is something that we, that we weren't like uh, scheduled to talk about or something, but I mentioned maybe this is something we can talk about in the future at, at, at length. Uh, I am disturbed in many ways by AI. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, just in terms of like uh, the whole, you know, like AI uh, replacing writers uh, mm -hmm. the whole disturbance of like typing something into AI and it, and it, and at some point it like, it, it has a mind of its own. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that that can be applicable to scamming people. I know that AI is now being used and probably will be used even more in the future. Have you guys in the consumer protection world and you in particular been keeping an eye on how AI is going to affect consumer issues? It's it's this is not planned, folks. This is totally spontaneous. It's so interesting you would ask me about this because I was talking to the public interest research group, the group started by Ralph Nader a million years ago, about yeah. this very topic right before yeah. you. We're yeah. planning a podcast on that in the future and we can okay. talk a lot more. There's no question that AI will be used like every other digital tool or technology tool to scam people. We're not a hundred percent sure yet. 
if anybody's really using it the way some of the news stories have indicated they're they're faking people's voices and doing that there's no question they can do it the yeah. question is is it worth their time to do it because for instance with a grandkid scam that i first reported on 30 years ago the grandparents don't really know what the kid sounds like. It's a muffled phone line that they say, Hey, grandpa, it's me. And yeah. they say, Johnny, is that you? And the Congress we've talked about that. We talked, I remember yeah. we covered that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm not really sure it's worth the trouble to go for that. Uh, the big haul, for instance, if you're, uh, you know, Nick, if you were a big CEO and, and uh, I was your assistant and you were in Asia on a trip and you called me up and said, Hey, Herb, I need you to wire me a hundred thousand dollars because this transaction is about to fall apart. And it was really your voice because they got your voice off the web and were able to make it sound like you. That yeah. would be worth the time and effort and, and could probably would absolutely probably scam the assistant who I heard you say, you know, you heard me say that. Right. No question it's going to be used. There's going to be fake stuff they're going to create. They're going to create fake images. You know, that's a big worry now as we go into the election season, fake video, fake thing. I mean, sure. If news, if news media isn't careful and starts passing around things they see on the web. And they don't verify that it's that it's for real. We could get into some really, really serious problem. So there's no question. I'll give you a, again. We'll talk about this more. But there was a case that just happened in the news a week or so ago. Some lawyer submitted his court documents to the court and neither the judge and his clerks nor the other side could find the cases he cited. And it was like, where are these cases that you cited as precedent? And it's like we can't find them. So the judge called him in and said, where are these cases? And the guy finally admitted that he had AI write the brief for him. Oh, man. And the judge said, well, did you ask? He said, well, why would you do that? And he said, I asked the AI if these were real cases. And the AI said, yes, they are. Well, the AI had made these cases up. Made them up, yeah. Real, and the yeah. judge is now trying to decide how to sanction this lawyer. Unbelievable. Would want to be this lawyer. But that's the kind of, you know, it can be a great tool when used properly, but when it's put in control without side, guard, side rails and you yeah. knowing the limitations and double checking the humans, you know, algorithms now, Nick, are used to hire people. You know, you don't, when you submit your, uh, when you submit your application, no human being is looking at the algorithm is telling you yeah. whether they should look at you. My sister-in-law had her bank account, uh, a $20,000 an online savings account and American Express savings shut down for four months because some algorithm decided she was a victim of identity theft. And it took me four months oh. to get a hold of her money. This is the kind of thing that we're going to start running into now because humans aren't in control already. Yeah, right. The algorithms are running the world. And you know what? You can't call up an algorithm or go no. down to the street and show no. up at the algorithm store and say, what are you doing to me? It's like, we'll get back to you. And yeah. I've read horror stories of people, they're kicking people off of Etsy, kicking people off uh, Amazon because the because the uh, algorithm said you're a fraud or you're this or yeah. you're that. And, and it takes months to prove to some human being if you could finally get to them, what are you talking about? This isn't true. It's a really scary, it's a it really is. scary world we're entering. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about more no. after I do the podcast, but this this is gonna you're gonna hear more and more oh, and yeah. more about that's that. you know, that's why I wanted to bring it up. It's because this AI thing is just infecting every part of our lives. I mean, yeah. you know, I remember like you like you were saying, this guy used AI to, to file this report and do this mm -hmm. thing. And I know that like a lot of you know, there's always these now how easy is it for kids to, you know, to like do their homework or book reports or something like that? They don't even sure. have to do it anymore. I mean, I remember when Cliff Notes were outlawed when I was a kid. Yes. You can't use Cliff yeah. Notes. You remember? You remember? remember I when it was, sure do. It, yeah. You remember when it was awful? Like, oh, my God, how, how, how much you're cheating by using Cliff Notes? Now you could type in three sentences and get a 15-page, a uh, you know, paper right. done for right. you through AI. I mean, that makes yeah. Cliff Notes look like nothing. 
And a lot of school districts have already thrown their hands up in the air and said, there's nothing we can do about this. I mean, they can prohibit it in the school. They can prohibit it on school computers. You yeah. can't stop all the kids. From, and they're trying to figure out a way to deal with this. So, you know, like you can Google an answer. You don't have to know it. They're trying to figure out a way. Yeah, how do we how do we deal with this situation? It's crazy. Yeah, we're it's we're yeah, we're in crazy town. We are. We are. We're in crazy town. All right. Well, let's uh, see if I can segue here. Let's drive away from crazy town. See? <laughs> See how I did that? My big Cadillac, Aretha Franklin. That's right. Let's do. Oh, look at this, bringing that in. But here's the thing: that the, the topic that we're going to talk about here um, are, is the fact that you guys wrote about at Checkbook.org about how Americans are keeping their cars longer than ever. And I got Tom Appel coming on um, yep. after after this segment, and uh, maybe we'll touch on that as well with Tom. And we have talked about how uh, you know people are trying to save their money and keep cars a little yep. bit longer. But this is a, this is a story you guys covered. We're actually keeping our cars longer than ever. Yeah, this is a couple of data points that I found uh, very, very interesting. The average age of passenger vehicles on the road today, 12 and a half years. That's according to a report released uh, from S&P Global Mobility. They track these things. That's a jump of three months from where they were in 2022 and the highest yearly increase since the, the Great Depression of a recession, excuse me, of 2008, 2009. The average sedan is even older, 13.6 years. And the reason for it is pretty clear. It's because of People want to keep their cars longer because they haven't been driving them that much during the pandemic and how much new cars and used cars cost. But the big trigger is the loans needed to finance them. I mean, the price for the average new vehicle, the figures I have from April, it's a little old, but they're probably higher from now, is about $48,000, according to Kelly Blue Book, the average for a new vehicle. And the average loan is about 9.52%. So the typical monthly payment is like $765, something like that. Used car historically high for the first quarter of 2023. According to Edmonds, the average used car was selling for $28,300 for a used car. That's what I pay for some of my new cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You know, so people are keeping them much, much longer. um, And because the cars are made so well, people are able to keep them longer, especially if they take care of them. So the repair shops are having just a, bang up business here fixing these cars and i tried to call a couple of shops around the country to get some quotes for my checkbook story and it was like yeah i love to talk to you really busy bye and they couldn't even talk to me because they were so flooded i got one or two that were willing to talk to me uh but uh and then i I just used the bottom of the story and if you go to checkbook.org or my website consumerman.com you'll see the story and i decided it was really important to talk about tips for picking an auto mechanic because they're so needed now by so many people. And while there are a lot of great auto shops, there are some that really aren't great. uh, And you can pay a lot of money and not get the car serviced properly. And if you keep your car in good shape, you can easily keep them. Consumer Reports says 150,000, 200,000 miles with absolutely no problem, uh, no problem whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I know people who have had their cars forever. I mean, and, and, you know, turn over that odometer big time. Yeah. The uh, only you know, reason why I bought a new car uh, for my wife uh, is we actually I got, got her the she likes driving older vehicles. So I gave her my old uh, my old Toyota Camry hybrid and I got a new Toyota Camry hybrid in 2020. So she's got the 2015 is because the Acura she was driving around, uh, which would have lasted probably 10 more years. I mean, they were so rock solid back then when they were made, didn't have any of the modern safety features that today's cars have on it. The sure. anti-lock brakes, which the feds are now talking about being required on all vehicles because they, they prevent so many rear-end collisions and save so many lives. This car has so many more bags, airbags in it. Uh, it didn't have the uh, 
the uh, cruise control. That's the we it had cruise control, but this is the one where it keeps you separated from the car by so much. It's a smart cruise control and right. uh, has the lane departure warning. I mean, she didn't have any of those safety features. And literally, I got a good amount of money for the trade-in because it was worth so much. And by the way, if you are selling. Uh, a used car, whether you even need to get a new car or not, you may be really surprised at how much you're going to get for that vehicle. Shop it around because car dealers, both used car and new, need cars. Yeah. Yeah, there are yeah. lots, and they are paying top dollar for these vehicles right now. So if you have an extra vehicle, you don't know what to do with it, uh, put some cash in your money. You may be really surprised at how much money you can get for that used vehicle. You know, it's always been a, it's always been a concern, even forever, uh, uh, about finding a good mechanic, um, mm-hmm. and I haven't I haven't driven in a, in many years legally. I haven't driven in many <laughs> years. <laughs> um, uh, but like I I found a mechanic years and years ago, and when you find that mechanic, you stick with that person or Absolutely. with that or with that garage or that outfit uh, or that business. Like my parents have a mechanic. My parents. My dad is eighty. He'll be eighty two in September. Wow, he's still uh, bagging he's, at the grocery store, right? And he's still bagging at the grocery store, and he drives all the time. I mean, the, you know, right. my dad. My dad, right. you know, you know, I mean, like he's 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 getting up there in age, obviously, and you know, has a little difficulty hearing here and there and stuff like that. But he's sharp as a tack, and man, he drives like Mario Andretti to this day. Like, <laughs> like I'm in the car with him, and I feel totally safe. I feel more safe than oh. if I'm in a car with a 30 year old. Right. Um, and so my dad is continuing to drive, and they have a mechanic who, you know, because a lot of mechanics. I'm not going to say this a lot, but there are businesses out there and a lot of jerk mechanics who will take advantage of an 82 year old man. You know what I mean? Sure. Like sure. you bring your car and you're like, ah, oh, this guy's 80. Let's screw him. You know what I mean? Let's, right. you know, let's say they, they found a person who is trustworthy, who respects them and who does the best possible job for their, you know, for what they can spend. Cause my parents are on right. a fixed income. Right. Um, so when you find that good mechanic, man, you got to hold on to her or him. Yep. And it is. And, you know, I like the ones and I've had a couple over the years and they've all been the same. They're not alarmist. It's not like when you get, oh, my God, the wheels are going to fall off tomorrow and you better fix it now or whatever. Absolutely. Some of them will tell you, you know what, it's going to fail in 30,000 miles, but you really don't need to spend the money right now. So make a note of your calendar or something like that. Or uh, those who also say, um, you know, get to that next time, but you really don't need it that kind of time. Or here's a interim solution or you know i can find a used part that'll keep this car going for another 30 you don't need to get that new part that's so much more money and they're they're really good and why don't i do the the plug once again because if you're in the in the seven cities that re-rate these things and and use that nick d podcast link checkbook.org slash nick d podcast we have rated auto mechanic shops in the seven cities and you can really find a good one in your area if you don't have one chicago minneapolis st paul seattle san francisco Boston, Philly, Washington, D.C., as opposed to taking a hit or miss, use one of these shops and you yeah. will find a really good shop in your area. And that's that's what we're there for to help you do that kind of thing. Got to take advantage of that. OK, cool. And you keep you'll keep an eye on all this stuff uh, before we before we, uh, we close it out. Yes, uh, uh, passport problems. Now we are you know, it is now June. Summertime is a big time for travel. People are traveling all over the place, and all over the world. And now, you know, as covid has lifted and people are more comfortable traveling around. And it's building and building. More vacations are being made, and uh, you know, vacations that you're going to travel across the world. Yes. What are what are some of the passport problems that we have to be concerned about now? Okay. Well, first of all, if you're looking for a passport now, if your passport has expired now, it has mine has. <laughs> okay. So you are talking at least possibly September before you can go out of the country. That's how long it is taking. It's taking like thirteen. Really. 
weeks, oh, something like that to have it okay. processed. And there's, there's shipping time that can be up to four weeks getting in and four weeks getting out. So you're talking a long time down the road. Wow, so it's not okay. like you can't book a trip and, and hope you go. Uh, if, if you go to the website and look at my story, there's a lot of things that people can do because they realize that people have family emergencies and there are special processes and procedures in place where there's something like that uh, with the national passport information center has guidelines and that kind of thing so you can go to the emergency sites that the state department has set up if god forbid somebody dies or something like that sure sure the other thing that people need to need from this need to know from the story is that uh if you only have six months or six months and less on your passport and you go to a country there are a lot of countries that will not let you in if you don't have more than six months on that passport when you show up at immigration, a lot of people don't know that they will literally wow. put you back on the plane. Why? Um, what? That's they, they don't want to have that situation. I guess that you're going to stay there over your extended thing. And you don't have a passport anymore. I don't know the exact reason, but I know wow. that's the case. So if you were about to go and have a passport that is really close to six months or under, assume the passport is dead and you should get yourself another one and start over for another 10 years. Uh, for the uh, podcast that we did on on travel tips on Consumerpedia with Chris Elliott, I don't know if you know Chris, he writes a wonderful uh, column on travel that's all over the country in, in newspapers, and he travels for a living. Uh, so when I wrote him to do the podcast, Nick, he was in uh, Tasmania when <laughs> he wrote back and said, I can do it. He was in Australia, and when I actually recorded it with him, he was in New Zealand. And it sounded like he was in Chicago. That's how good the line was. Wow. It was absolutely, the only difference was there was a three-second time delay because of the, the sure. signal. Getting, so we had to edit out the three seconds everywhere. But <laughs> oh he, said, he said, if you're going to get a passport and you know you're going to do a lot of traveling, you're young and you're, you are going to do a lot of traveling, get the bigger passport with 52 pages rather than the small one with 28. Because believe it or not, in some countries, if you don't have a blank page – they will actually send you back. If oh. you cannot, I think he said it was China, that if you, uh, oh, uh, South Africa, if you don't have a blank page, they are going to literally say, sorry, you cannot come in the country. Please get back on the plane. Unbelievable. Who oh. would have thought of such a thing? That's why oh. I talk to the experts. Oh, so, if, you know, it's good for 10 years. Get an extra one <laughs> wow. and, and get the extra pages. But that's why you really need to make sure you have the extra pass, uh, paperwork. If some countries require visas, you got to go online and make sure you have a visa uh, to do that kind of thing. Not the visa credit card, but a visa, a travel visa. I under yeah, just I gotcha. Make, yeah. Just make sure, you know, you take a visa, too, or a MasterCard, but just make sure you have all the paperwork because, boy, you do not want to get there and have them say, I'm sorry, Man. and turn around and go uh, flying all the way home. And it that, does is, that is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Could you imagine yeah. that getting there? And then, nope. No, you're, I couldn't. You're, I can't put a stamp in here, so you got to leave. Oh, yeah. my God. I, we were flying to Cuba uh, for my 65th birthday uh, back when it was, you know, under Obama. It was open pretty well. And I was making a copy of my visas to take with because I wanted to keep one and the, the real ones in the safety deposit box and have the one with me. And the phone rang. Something happened. And Dumbo Herb left the visas in the copy machine. Oh, in, no. And oh. so we land, it was a stop from Seattle to uh, there was a one the same plane, Seattle to L.A. And then L.A., they would check your paperwork and then go right to Havana, Cuba. And uh, I got out and they go, uh, can I see your visas, please? And it was like. Oh my God, where are oh, my visas? Man. And I thought they were going to turn me around. And luckily they said, happens all the time for an extra $200. Oh, of <laughs> which course. Was, when you figure what the, what the vacation right. was, like $200 saved Herb's butt. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but I've learned my lesson that if you copy something when you're about to travel, stand there and take it with you before you do anything. 
Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. And the other well, thing uh, in this, in this yeah. podcast that was very simple is he just said, there's a lot of distressed passengers on the planes. Don't fight. Don't start a fuss. Give them the benefit of the doubt. If somebody pushes the seat all the way down, don't pound the seat. Don't do because there's too much crazy stuff yeah, going God. on. Just suck it up for the hours you're on the plane. And yeah. do yourself a favor because you don't know if that person is going to flip out and do something really wacky. And I know True. it sounds like bad, you know, it sounds like you got, but yes, you've got to defend yourself and make sure you know, let them have the elbow room on the armrest if because it's not worth having a fight at 35,000 feet over something like that. Yeah. True. All right. Uh, the passport problems, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, uh, the passport problems and how to rectify those, those are all listed in, in, in the article at uh, checkbook.org. And it, it includes yeah. like what you need to get a passport, what paperwork you need, how much it's going to cost you. If you want to expedite it, it costs a little extra. Um, you know, and, and, and again, great advice on like if there's six months left, you need to update your passport, yeah. things like that. All of that is available at the passport article uh, at checkbook.org. And the podcast with Chris Relly, it's embedded in that as well. So you can listen to it all at the same time. There you go. Okay, great. Yeah. What are you working on? Uh, next her besides the ai stuff that we can talk about in july is there oh, you'll anything love that- this one yes i'm talking about counterfeit concert tickets i'm actually working oh. on that today <laughs> that'll be that? something uh really good to talk about and yeah. uh, the next podcast we're doing which will uh about uh we shopped around and looked at hotels and fake uh, listings and all kinds of stuff with uh, people still haven't booked all their travel plans or people travel in the yeah. fall and the winter as well. So yeah. those are two uh, really big things we're looking at right now. Uh, all right. Always check out consumerman.com. Uh, and Herb joins us uh, once a month. We'll talk to you at the beginning of uh, July, Herb, right before the 4th. Thanks, Nick. You be well. All right, buddy. Take care. There you go. That's Herb Weissbaum, everybody. He's the best. Uh, all right. And you know who else is the best? It's Tom Appel. Helping you out with Consumer World with Herb and now the car world with the one and only Tom Appel. And here he Tom is. Appel. We're going to talk about costumes. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive. It's Tom. And his last name. Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car. The sultan of cylinder. Tom Appel. That's right. I'm a pal. <laughs> That's right. The Sultan of Cylinder. The Czar of Car. It's just it just goes on and on and on. Tom Appel is the um, well, the guy who runs the publisher and boss at Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, and he joins us monthly for the For the People uh, episode where we talk about cars and car issues and answer your questions and anything that's car related, we talk about it. And here's Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey. How you doing, buddy? I am good, thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh boy, it's uh, it's I guess I guess now even though it's still spring, it feels like summer out there in Chicago and What are the what are the challenges right out of the gate? What are the challenges to summertime driving and I guess like keeping the car healthy during these times? Uh if anyone has relatively recently new Right now is the time of year where their tire pressure warning lights are going to be going off for no good reason because it gets warmer and the tire pressure goes up on the tires and and the, and these monitors aren't very good in a general in general terms and and it's a good time to just get your tire pressure checked. Are you going to be dealing with that light all summer? Really, I didn't even know that. Well, of course, I haven't driven in tw- well legally, as I always say. Right. <laughs> I haven't driven in well over twenty years. But I wow, okay. So and the reason for that is like the heat immediately makes the, the, the what's what, what, what's the science behind that there dr wizard yeah every 10 degrees or so the temperature drops or rises the the tire pressure drops or rises about three psi and really they can be off about that much between different tires but a lot of the systems that are now required by law the only thing that they actually measure is a difference in the rotation speed of the wheels 
which may or may not be attributed to tire pressure. It's a good way to do it, but if, if they don't, if they all drop at the same time, you're not going to get a message, and they get the system gets screwed up very easily. Okay, and and then a light just goes on, and then the light doesn't want to clear ever. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, keep an eye on your tire pressure as the yeah. as as the temperatures heat up as we get into the summertime. And uh, what now? You know, with the newer cars and all the fancy schmancy stuff, and the computers and the chips and all the stuff that uh, that are now used to to run cars, do cars actively overheat a lot still? Overheating seems to be a thing of the past. I, I still remember commuting into the city in the early 90s when I had a job downtown but lived out here in Palatine. And you used to see car fires. And you don't yeah. see car fires anymore. No, cars don't overheat very much. Cooling systems are better. Coolant is better. And even if you're one of those people that never takes care of your car, they still don't seem to burst into flames anymore. <laughs> I remember my cars overheating a lot. I remember, you know, I remember like, ah, shit, I got to pull over again and get some coolant or pour some water in the radiator or something like that. You would see a lot of in back in the day, you know, uh, you know, because I'm old and, you know, you're old as well. We're the same age. Um, You know, you would see a lot of cars on the side of the Kennedy or on the side of the road anywhere with the hood up and the steam coming out and people standing there going, son of a bitch and pouring water (laughs) in. And it was a regular occurrence. And I, and as again, I take a lot of public transportation. I see a lot of cars driving and stuff like that. I don't see a lot of cars pulled over on the side of the road, hood up, steam coming out. You don't anymore. And the beautiful thing about the steam back in the day was it was this wonderful and very obvious uh, warning light indicator because if you saw steam, it just meant that there was, there was just, there was coolant somehow getting out of the system. Right. But it seems so bad that you pulled over. And it's good that you do, because if you don't pull over, you're going to lose your engine. But right. most people just pulled over because they were freaking out about the steam. And right. it, was t- it was attended to before serious damage was done. It's true. It's true. Because anytime you would see steam, you'd be like, oh, shit. And then you immediately have to pull over and then get your, you know, your, your coolant or your water or whatever it was. That, or the water that, could, that you could top it off until you got to a gas station. Right. Um, yeah. Overheating cars. My friggin' Firebird, Tom, I can't tell you. I think... <laughs> The, the amount of pro- – I mean, it, that, that seems like – because we've, we've talked about this before. People who don't know, for many years I owned a 1977 Firebird, and it was the car that was in the shop the most of any car I ever had. Does that sound about right, Tom? Is, it, is, is that a troubled <laughs> – are Firebirds kind of cars that needed to be fixed? And it also adds to the fact that I was a bad car owner. That's one thing. Well, yes, and Firebirds and Camaros of that era were built in Van Nuys, California, at the yeah. worst, at the worst factory in America. Oh, it okay. Fam- it was famous for being the the, the worst car factory well, in America with the most defects. Wait a minute. Okay, is there any reason why that was like this Van Nuys car? Just people in Van Nuys, just like, yeah, man, I don't care, dude. Just put it out. You know what I mean? Was that the vibe? Because it's Van Nuys, California. Were there? Was there? A, how did they narrow it down to that plant? Oh, uh, because the product coming out of it was just so bad, and it's a shame. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, the Camaro and Firebird, lovely to look at, and and Jim Rockford owned a 1977 he, Firebird, one it of the had greatest, to be cool, one of the greatest cars of all time. That's, why, that's one of the reasons why I was like so proud of my car. I'm like, hey man, Jim Rockford's yeah. got a got a car like this. His, exactly. his was much his was much cooler than mine, but still, they should have been good, and it's yeah. uh, disappointing that they weren't. And how was? Have you ever tracked the history of that particular uh, place in Van Nuys? I mean, did they shut down because it was like, look, you guys, you gotta care. Did that? Did that? Did that ever happen? 
I, I don't remember the exact end date of production there, but I do know that there was labor strife there. <laughs> and and clearly that translated into a less than yeah. perfect vehicle. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we, we were just talking about overheating. That damn Firebird, man, in the summer, being like, oh, shit, it's going to overheat. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it happened semi-regularly. Anytime it got over 80 degrees, I'd be like, oh, man, my car, my Firebird's going to overheat. And it did. That was a period, too, where people just carried milk jugs of water in their trunk. And if they thought their car was overheating, they just poured water into the radiator. That's what I did, too. Uh, to, I did that, yeah. Tom. I'm guilty. Yeah. I'm totally guilty of that. No, you can't do any damage that way. So uh, if, if you think yeah. there's a problem, do it. Although, although, it really, it's weird because, like, you would leave, like I did. I would leave jugs of water in the back. I'd have coolant. <laughs> I, I'd, you know, I mean, I would, have, I would have coolant and stuff in the back as well. But I would always keep a jug of water. But, like, if it's 100 degrees outside the water's boiling does that help at all i mean what, i'm like seriously like if you pour boiling water <laughs> if you if you pour water that's been in the trunk of a car for a day and a half under 80 degree 90 degree heat i mean the water itself helps right even if it's hot yeah because the water moves through the system and eventually into the radiator which is supposed to cool the water so if there is no water at all or too little water then the block's just going to get hotter and hotter i and see hotter. okay so even hot water helps a little Okay, good. Well, we don't have to worry. Ultimately, what we've been talking ultimately what we've been talking about for the last five minutes is just nil. It doesn't matter. It's moot at this Not point. Not one bit. Yeah. Not exactly. All right. Well, we're just. <laughs> all right. Tell us all about Consumer Guide Automotive, Tom. Yeah, yeah. We've been around since 1967, and I've been there since I don't know, remember 2001, 2002. Uh, but we review cars. We have fun with car culture. Our website has just been redesigned. It looks great. So please check that out. And we do a podcast uh, every Monday. It goes live every Tuesday. Uh, and that's lots of fun, too. People should check that out and subscribe. Absolutely. Check it out. And I've been a guest on that podcast. Uh, yeah. And it's fantastic. Tell everybody about your co-host as well. Jill Simonillo. She's a North American Car of the Year juror. And I've worked with Jill on and off for 20 years or so. Uh, but But she's my co-host. And she also kind of keeps me uh, on the straight and narrow when I start to wander topically, as I'll do. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, well, gee, I, I, I have no advice in that department, Tom. Thank, trust me. We just spent <laughs> five minutes. Noted, yeah, yeah, as you've noted, I'm old. No, well, well, and also, Tom, I can't give you advice in that department because we just talked about uh, <laughs> overheating cars for five minutes, which doesn't happen anymore. So uh, there you go. Now your podcast is fantastic, and I would love to come Thank back you. on it sometime. I had such a blast, and um, well, we'll make that happen for someone who doesn't, you know, who doesn't have a car, who hasn't driven legally again in over twenty something years. <laughs> it was still an absolute blast to be on there. We talked about car movies and and all kinds. Of, it was just a, it was fun, and I learned a lot because I really don't. You know, I, every time I talk to you, I learn something. Because I don't oh, drive and, and all that stuff, so it's always great, and it's always just a blast to talk to you. So check out Consumer Guide. Uh, uh, it's a, a Consumer Guide Automotive, uh, and you can the podcast again. It drops every Tuesday and records every Monday, right? Yep. Okay, there you go. Make sure you check that out. All right, uh, as we always do, one of the things that you do at Consumer Guide is uh, you drive cars, new cars, new models, things that people will eventually want to drive themselves, lease or buy themselves. And you give reviews on cars, which is one of the main things that you guys have been doing since 1967. And I always ask you, what are you driving now? What have you been driving? What, what, is, what car is Tom Appel in right now? Uh, I just got out of the Dodge Hornet. And this is an interesting you, – you think you know the name. I do. Dodge Hornet. Yeah. But, but it was actually the AMC Hornet back in the day. Uh, but but AMC was folded into 
Chrysler was folded into, FCA was folded into Stellantis. So they still have access to that name. The Dodge Hornet is an all new small crossover. And it's very important because Dodge is about to get out of the gasoline engine business. Um, and they're, and they're, the best-selling cars, their muscle cars, the Charger and the Challenger, are going away. Now, the Hornet is a gasoline-powered car, but it is a conventional compact crossover, which is the hottest segment. And I can't believe that Dodge hasn't had a vehicle in that segment for years and years and years. So here it is. This is going to be their volume car for a while until electric cars take over. It's a nice car. It's about the size of a CRV or a RAV4. It's quick. It's fun. Um, not as refined as the competition, but good looking. And, and, and importantly, I think to the Dodge name, it's fun to drive. It is. Now, what does it have any kind of similarities between the AMC Dodge or no? Just the name? No, it's, no there's nothing going on there at all. No, this is a small crossover. The Hornet uh, was a small car in which perhaps the Gremlin was based and the Concord. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah. remember 70s car names and 80s cars names, that's, that's where the Hornet goes back yeah. to. We've talked about my, my friend who owned a Gremlin. Uh, we've, we've talked about the adventures that my friends and I had in that Gremlin. Uh, a very unique car. Uh, now, so the Hornet, so Dodge chose Hornet. Um, is, did they want to evoke a memory, or did they just think, well, people will forget about this car, this weird car from AMC from the 80s and the 70s, and you know, we, can, we can start it anew? Or did they go, well, you know, maybe people will remember this car, and that'll help. I mean, what you know, because we've talked about like how do cars get names? Where, why right. did they revi- why did they revive Hornet? What what do you think? I think because it's it's a relatively aggressive animal and it might evoke some muscle car memories. There was a sporty version of the Hornet that was available, I think, in 1970, 1971. So I, I think they were in fact trying to evoke some name, um, some 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 sort of name association also the world is running out of good car names yeah 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 well i think we've i think we've proven that how how many years have you been doing my show i mean the podcast since the beginning obviously so over a year and a half you've been doing my podcast but years before that when i was at the at the car wash um god we've been doing this for a long time and we always talked about car names (laughs) like we i I think they've been running out of car names since you started doing the show with me Yeah, they're, 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 clearly the pool is getting thin. Toyota, for example, just launched an electric car called the BZ4X because that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> have there ever been na- – have, have you ever done the, an article on this, Tom, over the years? Have you ever done – you know, where you, where you try to maybe figure out or theorize why a car didn't sell well or why it was a bomb? Has it ever been traced to the name? Has anybody ever talked about, man, you know, I think the name of the car contributed to the failure of the actual vehicle itself. Has anybody ever really talked about that? Yes, and I've actually thought exactly that. There was a Lincoln that was introduced around 2000, and it was a small uh, rear-wheel drive V6 or V8-powered vehicle. It was supposed to be sporty, and it was named LS. (laughs) That's a trim level. That's not a brand. And I don't think anyone ever remembered the name of that vehicle. I think that name badly hurt it. It needed to be called something. <laughs> the LS. Jesus. And, and you may as can... well, yeah, you may as well name it BM. I don't, I, you yeah. know, I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so the LS, that was one of them. Um, and, and strangely, and... Saturn, for no particular reason, named it exactly named the it... same thing. They, so oh, they named is... it L- LS as well. Yeah, it was a total sales bomb. So wow. I, I, you think they'd learn, but no. Wow, LS Alpha, is the Alpha, 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 LS is the radio station that I'm on now <laughs> with, right. with, with Steve Cochran. We had a little W in front of that, but yeah, it seemed to work out for that radio station. Been around for 99 years, so I guess that worked out, but not for a car. 
LS. Not for a car. It, a car the names need to be evocative. And like Capri, evocative. Car, Cap, Lincoln has had so many great names like Zephyr and Capri and things like that. At Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Like yeah. these are kind of fun names that could have been stirred up again, but no, LS. No. LS, let's go with LS or Hornet, which is an aggressive animal, as you said. All right, cool. Yeah. But that, but the Dodge Hornet, you you give it a thumbs up. You say it's a good drive, fun drive. Oh, uh, a conservative thumbs up. There's there's yeah. some refinement issues there. I, I wish, I wish basically it was just a little bit more refined. But okay. yes, if you're looking for a sporty car, the price is right. I think maybe yeah. Okay. Well, we record on Mondays as as well as you do. Uh, your podcast is also uh, on Mondays. Uh, yeah. But that's that. So you just get into a car every time we talk. You have just gotten a brand new car to drive around. What are you currently in? And obviously, you can't really evaluate it yet because you just got into it today. Uh, I just drove to McDonald's for an iced tea in the Subaru Crosstrek, which was redesigned this year. This is Subaru's smallest car. It's this little crossover, subcompact crossover. Uh, delightful car sells very well for the company and it's so on brand because it's it it's a little crossover but it's got kind of aggressive looking kind of macho looking plastic add-ons and it looks a little bit like a crossover and it's got a raised right height and aggressive tires and it's exactly perfect because it's a totally functional little crossover looks like it's a little bit more aggressive than that and and, and people love it yeah um and um uh, so it's, I'm sorry, what's it called? Cross Trek? Cross Trek, Subaru Cross Trek, yep. Okay, are people gonna, are gonna, are people gonna get that confused with the exercise equipment? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know if maybe intentionally they want people to be confused with it, but it, it, it's very popular. Okay, very popular car, but you'll 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 start you'll have to you need more time you'll you need more time to totally evaluate it. But it did okay going to the McDonald's for an iced tea. It is excellent in the drive-through. <laughs> that's an important thing because a lot of people spend a lot of time in the drive-thru so i do unfortunately ah, yeah okay all right well uh all right uh we have some topics that we want to get to and some of the things that you've written about for consumer guide automotive and some of the fun stuff that you do we also are going to jump into the mystery show thing that you love to do tom yeah. likes to sit in, tom also likes to sit in front of his tv particularly watching old westerns and freeze framing it and taking screenshots of old stars that appear to the chagrin of his wife Oh, uh, well, that happens. So we have, we've got Star Spotter coming up as well. But before we jump into that, I have to mention that we lost uh, an actor um, just this past week who um, was iconic in the movie Car World. Have you, are, are you, are you, do you have any hint no, where I'm going with this? I don't, no. Okay. Barry Newman passed away. Um, oh. Barry Newman, the star of Vanishing Point, um, which is a legendary car movie. Um, what is a Charger was in that, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, um, uh, Challengers, I think. Challenger, right, Challenger, yeah. right. What a badass white Challenger that car was, Vanishing Point. One of the yeah. quintessential, one of the quintessential total badass car movies of the 70s, like up there with French Connection and up there with Bullet and, you know what I mean? Like just totally badass car movies and just like a one of those movies that you saw at a drive-in in your car and then when the movie was over, you floored it when you got out of the, you know what I mean? <laughs> like when you got out of that movie. Now, I'm assuming you've seen Vanishing Point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've gotten yeah. in trouble for discussing it because people who love Vanishing Point don't yeah. want to hear anyone else's opinion of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> oh, my God, Tom, that's so true. Now, wait a minute. Do you have an opposite opinion of Vanishing Point? Do you not I, like it? 
no, no, nothing like that at all. I okay. simply was I was watching the movie. I saw it for the first time way too late in life. Like while I was while I was in the last twenty years, I saw it in the last twenty. Oh years. God, really? Okay, all right. And I was at lunch with my coworkers and very <laughs> serious car guy coworkers. Oh God! And I started to suggest the point in time when when the lead character had decided he was going. Yeah. The line and there was no coming back. Yeah. And I got a stern look from a cone worker who's like, don't, don't break this movie down. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I love this because I'm telling you, you know, Tom, uh, you're coming in from, on, from the side of the car freak. Yeah. You know, world. I'm coming in from the side of the film freak world. And let me tell you something. Even film freaks are like, listen, you need to just, if you're going to even talk, poorly about that movie or I guess people people who like Vanishing Point really really like like Vanishing Point uh, but so, so breaking what do you mean so the person was just don't I mean he didn't want you he wanted it to exist on some sort of existential level that's exactly correct yeah because okay. there's a point there's a point in a movie where this guy who's who's job is d- delivering these customers yes Play, played by the way by played by the way by now the late great barry newman who was also that guy. by the way another guy that you can watch on your on your star spotter tom because he was petricelli uh he was oh. on the he was the legendary lawyer show petricelli so yeah i mean this guy and i'm sure he pops up on westerns look for him barry newman just recently passed away but anyway you back to the plot you were saying that he's a guy who delivers cars yes yeah, and at one point he he hits it, the, the gas really hard on gravel, kicking up gravel, and I'm like, at that point in time, he no longer cared about the condition of the car, and he was committed to going crazy, <laughs> and I was just pointing out that this was a turning point in the movie, and no one wanted to hear that I had broken down the movie in any sort of hard facts or timeline. Right now, that's so hilarious. Because, like, of course, you're going to be thinking, oh, man, the damage that's going to do to the yeah, body. That's, you know, that's, that's what like... I was thinking. <laughs> well, I can kind of see their point because that movie, because Vanishing Point does really exist on a different level. You know what I mean? It really is sort of this timeless kind of, you know, yeah, existential movie where at one point the car does vanish. There is a, a point in the movie where they freeze frame it and it says Vanishing Point. At one point in the movie, the car actually does go into another hemisphere i have no idea but yeah um a car kicking up gravel i can understand i find it hilarious that the car guys were like eh, don't bring that up because you know yeah. what you know what you know what Tom? they didn't want to hear you know why because that went through their head too you know what i mean it's <laughs> <laughs> gotta be yeah. what it is it's gotta be what because they're car people you know what i mean like me i'm not a car guy uh and like when the gravel hit the car i didn't even think about it but for someone who's like into cars and like Boy, if this guy's got to deliver this car in good shape, you know, uh, he's really screwing it up right now. That's going to that's gonna be in your head. And I guarantee you that you made them mad because they actually were reminded that they thought of it, too. <laughs> and they don't want to be that practical about the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, rest in peace, Barry Newman. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of the stars of, uh, you know, I mean, Vanishing Point considered one of the classic badass 70s car movies at, at at a time when they were making I still think the 70s I have I have a couple of things about that. I think the 70s are not only the best decade in film history. Sure. Like I really think it's the best decade in film history. I think you know people could go oh, no the 50s or the 30s or no no no. I think the best movies ever made were made during the 70s. I really think it was the best decade. And not only that, but that's the best car movie decade. Wouldn't you agree that the 70s were like the quintessential decade for car movies? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I love everything about this. Well, up, 
I really like early seventies movies more than late seventies movies, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just watched the conversation for example. Oh like, my heck yeah. God. Oh my God. Is that 71? I think that's 73, 73, 73. Yeah. It was, okay. he, he made it. Here's the, here's the insane thing. 70, wait, 74, 74. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. 74 because he made it in between Godfather movies. So he, it was like Coppola was like, yeah, I'm just gonna wow. make this. I'm just gonna make this little movie, and little and, movie. and yeah, and in '74 wow. they were both nominated for Best Picture. And, you know, I mean, which doesn't you know you don't get a guy. You know, Francis Ford Coppola is one of the only guys. Maybe if I, I'd have to go back and look my research, but I think he might be the only guy to have two movies up, up for Best Picture in the same year. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the conversation for me—that's my favorite Coppola movie. I like it more than the Godfather movies. I—it's my favorite Coppola movie and my favorite Hackman performance. I love that movie. Yeah, and that's a movie that merits watching and rewatching and rewatching. Oh, There's absolutely! Just so much great stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. And well, funny for a movie called The Conversation, there is very little dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there is, and there's a lot of oh, it's just and, and Hackman is so good in it. It's such a heartbreaking performance about loneliness and paranoia. I I adore yeah. that movie. I adore that movie. And you know, I mean, the same year Coppola releases Godfather Part Two. The same year, you're like, my God. And that was <laughs> there was seventy two was the Godfather, um, and it won Best Picture. And then seventy four Godfather Part Two won Best Picture. And in between Godfather's winning Best Picture was The Sting. So. Oh. I mean, tell me that that's not a decade and a half right there. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> uh, and in the same year, like, uh, you know, like that year, like you, you had like Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon was in 75. I mean, all of that stuff, man. I mean, the best. Absolutely. I best. love this thing. And, and oh. there's so many supporting characters in that movie so that good. just get to shine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. how good is, how good is Robert Shaw in that movie? I mean, my God. I mean, it's like two years before Perfect. Jaws. Two years before Jaws, too, before he became Quint. I mean, yeah, no, the 70s were great. But anyway, Barry Newman passed. That was my point was Barry Newman passed away. So, uh, and if you get a chance, if you've not seen Vanishing Point, don't let Tom ruin it for you with, log- with logistics. <laughs> yeah, you don't want me on the couch next year while you're watching. <laughs> that would never really happen. Shut up, Tom. The car's going to vanish in 15 minutes. Leave me alone. Yeah. So anyway, vanishing point and uh, rest in peace, Barry Newman. Okay, uh, so uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that you've been uh, covering and writing about. Sure. Uh, on the blog and in the Consumer Guide uh, Automotive um, and uh, dad cars. Can we have a, <laughs> a, a blog? You, you wrote in the blog about dad cars. What is the actual definition of dad cars? And what are some, we, and you, write, you have an article with some of the pictures and stuff like that about the classic car ads that are dad car ads. Yeah, my dad was a very pragmatic man. And that's who I'm, uh, my dad, my friend's dads were all kind of the same. We weren't poor. But there wasn't a lot of money, and there was no way that my dad or most of my friends' dads were going to spend a lot of money on cars. So they tended to buy used cars, and every now and then you'd get the sense that they wish they had something just slightly nicer than standard or normal. So they'd push for that in the form of maybe a coupe, but still lower trim level. And there's just a classic group of cars that fall into this. And I'm very much focusing on my dad's cars, but they work for a bunch of buddies that I had in high school as well. Well, let me tell you something. You and I are around the same age. You just turned uh, 58, right? Yep, yep. I, t- I turned 58 um, a month from today, in fact. Um, and so I have, to, I have to say this. The first one in the picture ads, the first one that you had, uh, my dad owned. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am not Perfect. kidding you. It wasn't a 73. I think it was a 71 or a 72. But it was a, it was a Ford Grand Torino. He, he had a Grand Torino. Uh, 
uh, and uh, and it was red. And um, I want to say it was earlier than '73 because I remember my dad had it. And again, like you, you know, uh, my my dad, I, you know, never bought a new car um, for a while when he was when he when he was uh, in a in a in a my my dad uh, uh, worked in for over fifty something years in vending he was like a vending machine guy like he was he worked for victor vending for many years and they're, they're the people that invented the council gumball machine and stuff like that yeah so my dad w- was part of the vending business for over 50 something years and there was a time when like he got a company car okay uh, and so we had a car you know we, we would have a new car every couple of years and you know but it was a company car so uh but that was the only time we ever had anything new anything else was used but my dad had a Torino, um, and it was red. And, man, he would drive that thing like a maniac. My dad would drive it like <laughs> a nut. But what, tell me about the 73 Ford uh, Torino. And, my, and uh, uh, yeah, what's the difference between a regular – is there a regular Torino and a Grand Torino? What's the difference? Yeah, Grand Torino was significantly upscale. And the picture in this ad is of a Grand Torino. Yeah. So it's got the body color wheels, the white sidewall tires, little bumperettes on the front, and the vinyl top. That was all very high-endy stuff. This is the kind of car that would have appealed to my dad if it was very old. Uh, <laughs> it is now. <laughs> yeah. But, but the Torino was very much a mainstream car. This was a coupe. The car here is, is a coupe. So that, that already is a little bit indulgent, the kind of thing that would make my dad feel a little bit guilty. Yeah. But if he could get a good price, this is something he might do. Yeah, my dad had one, and, uh, and I remember I would sleep in the back. When, this was back when seat, seat belts were you know, not even existing. Yeah, we didn't care. Yeah. Oh, no. And I would sleep in the back window. I was small enough to sleep, <laughs> like, actually snuggle in the back, you know, window. Like, I blocking my dad's... Yeah. My dad's Nova used to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Back in the 70s, like, whatever. You can, you know... I, I remember cracking my head on the window while my dad just made a left. You know what I mean? He wasn't even... <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, but, yeah, no, that Torino, man, uh, that was... My dad loved that car. And I remember, like... When my mom, because my mom would always you know, tell my dad, don't drive like a maniac, you know, with the kids in the car, because it would be like me. I'm, I'm an only child, but I was very close with my two cousins growing up. And so when he would have me and my cousin Jeff and my cousin Kathy in the back seat, and my mom or my aunt weren't, weren't around, he'd go, yeah, let's go. And he'd go 90. You know what I mean? Like he'd drive like a maniac while we're bouncing around in the back seat. But I remember that car being pretty badass, uh, the Torino. It could be, yeah, because you could get a uh, 351 V8, which was a bunch of engine in that. So you could make it something more than it was. But I think for yeah. most people, it was very practical. Yeah. So your dad, Torino. And then, and I'm not kidding you, Tom, the next one is another one that we had, and that's the Cutlass. And yeah. the company cars that my dad had were Oldsmobile Cutlasses. Those were the ones that he got. Like, you know, so we had the Cutlass Supreme, we had the Brome, all of that crap. Um, tell me about why an Oldsmobile Cutlass, you have here again, 73. Tell me about why an Oldsmobile Cutlass, what makes that a dad car? There's a, there's a very, very inside cars joke here about the Cutlass S. Okay. And this ad has the S in quotes. And the S was an extremely cheap, affordable version of the Cutlass. And the Olds Cutlass is always a high-volume car. And I guess General Motors still had the volume to sell more of these. So they started slapping together these ridiculously cheap cutlasses. And this ad is to kind of tell you that, like, hey, it's still a cutlass. And it's got cool-looking wheels and tires and a nice roof on it. It wasn't a bad-looking car. But the S did not come with things like an automatic transmission, an AM radio, (laughs) air conditioning. Like They were completely stripped. But if you look at this ad, oh, it's got tilt wheel. Like, that makes up for it. (laughs) Yeah, they do emphasize tilt wheel on this ad. They really do. 
Yeah, but uh, like other stuff, like no AM radio, no air conditioning, none of that stuff. That's hilarious. It also has Moroccan all vinyl trim. (laughs) I want this car. Are there any of them on the road anymore? Has anybody seen a Cutlass S anywhere? I don't think they actually sold very many of these. I think the appeal here might have actually been to fleets. Because a lot of that stuff could actually be... The kind of stuff that breaks down. So if you have a fleet, if you're a fleet buyer, you you avoid uh, expensive yeah. options yeah, yeah. just to keep the car on the road. Although it would suck to be a fleet driver and not have air conditioning. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. Boy, you want to talk about a vanishing point. Jesus. Um, so what did that do? Do you guys, did you guys have any, what the S stood for? Um, apart from stripper, I have no idea. <laughs> or shit. One of the there, was, there was a Cutlass Salon for a while, and it might have been playing off of that because that oh. was also a, that was also a cheap Cutlass. Was that also like you can get in the car and drive and get your hair done at the same time? That's why it was, 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 that why it was called Sadly, no, but that oh. would be cool. That would be cool. <laughs> All right, what about the 74 Oldsmobile Omega? I don't even so, remember this car. No one does. Uh, okay. No one does. This is my favorite. One of my favorite General Motors car things is, is that these were called the X cars before – the later X cars that were famously uh, problem ridden. Um, there was the Chevy Nova, and I think everyone's heard of the Chevy Nova. Sure. Well, for some reason, it was decided that every division of General Motors had to have a cheap entry level car. So they decided to base them all on the Nova. So it was the Nova from from Chevy, the Omega from Oldsmobile, the the Apollo from Buick, and the uh, <laughs> the Ventura, and later the Phoenix from Pontiac. And these cars. No one made any effort to make them look different. Apart from the grill, the interiors were exactly the same, and they yeah. were priced almost the same. And this ad makes it seem like somehow you're getting like this legendary bit of Oldsmobile engineering, <laughs> right? When it's just a Nova with a different grill. But my dad owned lots of Novas and a couple of Phoenix, or not not Phoenixes, but Venturas. They yeah. were all these cars, and they were they were affordable. They ran forever. Yeah, uh, and they were just incredibly unassuming, and and uh, I think we had air, we had AM radio in all of them, so that was uh-huh. nice. Well, but I mean, a car that runs for a long time—that's cool, right? I mean, if you don't really care about, if you don't have any sort of pride in your car or whatever, if it's just functional, hell, you exactly. want a car, you want a car that's going to last a long time, get you where you need to go without a significant amount of problems. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that, you know what I mean? No, no, very simple car, very predictably yeah. reliable and affordable to own. Yeah, that appeals to me, Tom. Totally, <laughs> especially especially as I've gotten older, you know. Um, okay, now you also God, it's so weird. I'm looking, at, you know, I've been looking at this ad, and you're striking things that have happened to me personally. Like I mentioned, like two of these cars immediately were cars that my dad had, and the Ford Fairmont, the 1980 Ford Fairmont. I learned to drive in a Ford Fairmont. Okay, um, that's where we did. That's you know when we drove around the parking lot of Taft High School, which is where I learned to you know drive. Legally, I should say again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we took driver's ed in Ford Fairmonts. That's what they okay. had at, at Taft in Taft High School. Was that a common? Th- were there? Were there? And here's an, a side question: Were there cars that were that were made almost specifically or used almost specifically for driver's ed? Were there kind of cars that they would use for that kind of stuff? I don't know if they were, but but Fairmont was spot on because it was either a compact or midsize, depending on who you ask. But it was a Ruby four-door. It was easy to see out of, and it was nothing special. I learned on a, um, a Cutlass sedan and a Chevy Citation at Friend High School right around the oh, same time. Yeah, the Chevy and, Citation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And space-wise, they were similar vehicles. Now, the Fairmont, interesting rear drive, um, which was going out of style at the time. But unless you're driving in snow, probably didn't matter. Yeah. 
No, but that was that was. I mean, I I remember I remember it being. Well, so what's the ad like here? What 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 are some of the highlights for the ad for the Fairmont? Well, they're they're selling this thing here as as affordable and practical. And the thing about the Fairmont was is you could get it really 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 stripped. You could get one with a four cylinder engine and a manual transmission if you wanted to. And I actually knew someone when I was pumping gas. I knew someone at the gas station who, for some reason, drove this horrible car to full serve. So they bought this. <laughs> This unbelievably cheap car, and then they wouldn't pump their own gas. So it's like, make it just. Why would you bother? Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. God. All right. Well, people, you should check out the dad cars. It's all available at uh, Consumer Guide uh, Automotive. Uh, what's the website for everybody to check out in the blog, real quick? Just consumerguide.com. Consumerguide.com. Go to the blog and check out dad cars. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at the other, one of the other things that you sent me. And uh, what the hell is the cruise origin? This is an interesting vehicle, and if you live in San Francisco, you hate the cruise origin. Why is but that? <laughs> this is General Motors. Um, cruise automation is General Motors' um, autonomous vehicle subsidiary. It's not a fellow division to the other brands. It's not like another division like Chevy. It's a separate company. But this is probably the single most successful autonomous vehicle company in the world right now. And Cruise has a vehicle called the Origin which looks a little bit like a truncated L car. Um, and the doors open like an L car in the center. And, and then you sit stagecoach like in the vehicle. But this, yeah. is, this is a fully autonomous vehicle. And the news here that's really big is that Cruise has gotten permission from the city of San Francisco, not only to operate these vehicles, which they've been doing, but now to charge people for driverless uh, ride hailing services. So these are now up oh, and running. Oh, man. And they are on the road in San Francisco. And I guarantee you, if you live out in California area, you've seen one of these. They're in San Francisco running now for, for pay. But they're also in uh, Phoenix and uh, one more city I'm not thinking of. Austin. Austin, Austin. Texas. Okay. Yeah. So, and, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. But but the big deal here, they're completely hands-free. They're running. They're working. And every now and then they break down and they screw up traffic for everybody and they make the news. Uh, wow. Okay. So there are like, dri- I mean, essentially this is a weird looking vehicle where you can sit a bunch of people in it and it's a mm-hmm. driverless, it's a driverless Uber yep. essentially at that point. That's how they're using it. And I see in the pictures, they have people sitting luxuriously in the, you know, in the, in the back, uh, and they bringing in their luggage, they're bringing in all kinds of stuff. So it's big and roomy. There's no driver. So you can say whatever the hell you want to say. And I don't know. Like, so how do you, I mean, obviously everything is automated. So you just tap to pay and all that stuff. I would imagine. Yep. Uh, yep. App driven. Oh man. I, I, I would be terrified. I have to say, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel it, about that? Would, would, would you feel comfortable in something like this? Uh, I would. There's something called geofencing and it's something that Tesla needs to actually do. But it, it, geofencing is when an autonomous vehicle or a vehicle of this sort operates in a restricted area. So that the area has oh, been right. mapped. There's there's extra uh, extra connectivity via satellite or via local connectivity, you know, towers or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would not have a very big problem taking a ride in San Francisco where it's not going to go over 25 miles an hour anyway. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have a real hard time getting on the Kennedy in one. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Especially at this point. My God. Could you imagine driving around one of those things downtown on July 1st and 2nd? How much fun would that? No. Hey, by the way, have no. we talked? Have we, we haven't even talked about the NASCAR thing, have we? We should. No, we haven't. We should really quickly because the next time you're on, it'll be post that, um, uh, I believe, or like right around the, when it happens. No, it'll be post that because the first and the second are a week is a weekend. We'll be we'll be recording on like the fifth or something like that. I think. 
Um, yeah, I am. I'm. Oh no, it'll be the third. So it'll be the next time we record. It'll be July third. So it'll be right after that whole thing happens. What are your oh, thoughts cool. on this on this NASCAR? So we can really talk about it in general about your thoughts about it. What? What? How do you as a car guy? How do you feel about NASCAR taking over this city? Um, I, 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 if I take the city part out of it, I, I just think it's a great route. I love that it's the Jordan in Chicago. It's unbelievably good coverage for the city. It's yeah. like a Super Bowl, basically, but yeah. a little bit maybe not that that grand an event. But I think it's huge, and I think it highlights the city. So that's great, and it's nice to see NASCAR not running on an oval, which is boring as heck. So uh, I think it's cool uh, from the city perspective. I can understand why people are seriously pissed off. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna shut stuff down. And it has already, uh, you yeah. know, like they're, they're repaving stuff and a lot of that, you know, and a lot of the stuff that they were doing on Lakeshore Drive is connected to that because people are going to come down, you know, and they want the, and they want Lakeshore Drive to be OK. And all of the stuff, I mean, a lot of the stuff that they're doing downtown, all of that, which bleeds into the Kennedy and bleeds into Lakeshore Drive, all of that is, is, is spinning out of this NASCAR thing. Which is, yeah. uh, I mean, as a as a as a person, I don't follow NASCAR at all. No, um, I don't either at, at I all. Either. And I and I just think the whole thing is just nuts. I can't even imagine, you know. And there are concerts down there that weekend. I mean, it's the Fourth uh, of July. It's a four leading into the Fourth of July weekend. That's I can't even imagine being in the loop at that time uh, for that weekend. It's going to be insane, completely. There's also a, a lot of pushback from. from a lot of car guys not into NASCAR because it's so low tech. It, there's, there's, it used, it used to be that racing, you know, racing technology would, would, would trickle down into the cars we drive. But NASCAR is really low tech stuff. Yeah, it's just, it's silly, and, and so, I don't know. So to just assume that guys like you, uh, you know, your car guys, uh, stuff like, because you would assume, oh, you know, Tom's got to be into the NASCAR stuff, and you're not. No, no. Okay, that's interesting. No. I wouldn't. I don't. I, I don't understand the whole Bubba. Bumble gum barbecue sauce camping on the infield. I don't understand any of that. And the personality, the driver personalities. I don't yeah. care. I well, I like I like Talladega Nights. I like that movie a lot. I think very funny. Yeah, I li- I enjoy the hell out of that movie, but I'm not going to enjoy that Talladega Nights. You know, on Lakeshore Drive. By <laughs> you know, that's not my idea of. It's not going to be on Lakeshore Drive. I'm sorry. It won't be. I'm 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 misrepresenting. But it will be on Columbus, and it will be. It's. I mean, you know. It's going to be in the city. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be absolutely nuts. But like you said, I mean, it's going to bring a lot of people and a lot of money to the city. So that's why they're doing it. And so the coverage is going to be unbelievable. But yeah, it should be. It should be just overall. We'll have something to talk about after the. Fact. Oh, we will. We will. The next yeah. time we record, next time we record yeah. is literally the day after it ends. So we're going to have a lot. <laughs> we will have a lot to talk about. No question about it. Okay, um, so uh, and I just and, and another thing that I learned, Tom, as I said to you earlier in this interview, that I learned something every time I talk to you. I learned that car guys like you are not into NASCAR. That's what Generally I learned today. No. I, yeah. And I, yeah, I find that fascinating, and I and, and your reasoning why is is makes sense to me, and it's incredibly interesting. Like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I just assumed. See what I mean? I just assumed. Ah, Tom's got to be into NASCAR. He likes cars. Nope. No, it's 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 low tech, and then it attracts a weird audience. <laughs> yeah, like your Ricky Bobbies and stuff like that. Yeah, so yep, exactly. All right. Well, let's uh, before you get out of here, uh, mystery show. Tell everybody what the mystery show is, and you do this every once in a while. Following you on social media and Facebook in particular is a lot of fun because of this crazy and fun stuff that you do uh, based on TV. So, what is the mystery show thing that you've been doing? Yeah, for whatever reason, shows that didn't make it stick in my head, and I remember them forever, but I can't always remember the name, and then I'll come across some some little thing 
that, that, that ticks off my memory. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a TV show. And I find a still from the show, which is usually pretty easy to do. I post it on my Facebook page. And then I have friends that I used to work with that are really into trying to figure out what that show was right. from the still, from the promotional still. Right. And so this week I put up something from a show called Bearcats. Now, I have to say, you know, because a, a lot of these uh, I don't. I remember, like when I see you post them, I look at them, and I don't, I don't jump in because I remember a lot of them because I'm a dork. Um, so I, I usually do not jump in with my thoughts because I want everybody else to play around. You know what I mean? Like yeah, before, yeah. You know, what I, so I'm, I, I'm like, if I know something immediately, especially if you post it right away, I'm not going to ruin it. You know, what I, I'm just going to say I can't wait to see what people are guessing. But I have no memory of Bearcats whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. When I saw this, I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, and what the hell is exactly right? It's a car thing, so it should be cool. And it's Bearcats features a Stutz Bearcat, which was an extremely cool car for the day. I don't know what this car was, 1911, 1912, something like that. But the Bearcat was kind of the first sports car. But here's where this gets silly. It's kind of like a Western, and it's set around 1914, something like that. There are no roads. So two guys driving around solving crimes or stopping evil in a Bearcat. <laughs> Cars were hyper-fragile in those days, and very little road was paved. This was not happening. There was no way. And this was, this was from 1971, it says here, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and it stars Rod Taylor, uh, I mean, from the time machine, and so, you know, and, and so many other things, and Dennis Cole. Now, I'm not, Dennis Cole is the fat guy who was in everything, right? And he was like, wasn't Dennis Cole, or am I thinking of a different guy? Is he a big fat uh, guy? Dennis Cole? Not, not in the trailer. And I can't okay, find any be... part of the episode to watch. I've only seen the trailer. Okay. Well, I'm, maybe the I'm trailer looks the... awesome. Yeah. And I know Rod Taylor. We all know Rod Taylor. Now I'm, I'm blanking on who Dennis... Oh, wait. Dennis Cole. No, 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 no. Dennis Cole. Oh, geez. Oh, now I'm going to have to look the guy up. But, uh, but so, so Bearcats, how long did it last? Do we know? Like one season? Oh, like 10 episodes or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it died quick. Did anybody guess? Did any of your friends know this one? Was this, did you fool everybody? I work with a woman named Rachel, who is the Columbo of Mystery Show, and somehow <laughs> always finds it very short amount of time, even when she doesn't recognize people in it. And the still for this, I would never have gotten it based on the still. Uh, yeah, she's a ge- she's a genius that she got it. Uh, and I, so, so I'm I'm now I'm uh, I'm actually going to be looking up Dennis Cole as we speak. What what are some of the okay now Star Spotter is something that you yeah. do where, where you, uh, you've got some some sort of amazing ones here that you spotted during the week and tell us what shows and who you spotted yeah and i watch a lot of gun smoke unfortunately insp is running a lot of rawhide these days which is a pretty good substitute but not perfect but on gun smoke i saw simon oakland yeah uh who uh i remember him best as a nemesis of james rockford on the rockford files he was yeah another detective yeah. james james coburn on rawhide now that, don't see I, I love james coburn man Me too. i love him yeah what a voice jeez yeah yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, and how was he on the show? Was he good? He was good. He played a kind of sinister businessman, exactly up his alley, and he was he was creepy. Yeah. Okay. Creepy and scary, perfect. And then Ken Curtis on Rawhide. And if you watch Gunsmoke, you know that Ken Curtis is Festus, and Ken Curtis should only ever be Festus and That's nobody right. else. <laughs> and it's messing with me to see him on Rawhide and to not have him be a good person. <laughs> Very upsetting. <laughs> Very upsetting. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, Barbara Stanwyck on Wagon Train. Oh. And that's another one. Stanwyck, of course, had, had already had a huge career by the time the Westerns were on. Yeah. Uh, 
so to see her on 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 a was this a color no it was a black and white episode but she was already a big star and she showed up on wagon train and, and yeah basically she's better than wagon train that's all she I'm is saying. i love Dennis, barbara sandwich yeah no barbara sandwich rules one of my favorites of all time of all time she's amazing oh by the yeah. way let me just clear this up dennis cole was a blonde haired guy who did a lot of like uh sort of action and detective shows in the 70s and stuff like that okay, okay. the big guy the big guy i was thinking of and you can look him up tom he uh-huh. was on the, the Sanford and Son spinoff, Sanford. His name is Dennis Berkeley. Oh. Dennis Ber- an entirely different guy. And you can look at him, Tom. Just look at him and go, yeah, that's not Dennis Cole. I don't know why when Dennis Cole came into my head, I thought Dennis Berkeley. And when you see the difference between those two guys, you'll be like, what the, <laughs> hell, is, what the hell is wrong with you, Nick? Yeah, Dennis Berkeley. Look him up. He was, uh, he was uh, uh, on Sanford, the spinoff of Sanford and Son. You just cost me like a half an hour of my life because now I need to look up Sanford because I haven't thought about that in 30 years. Oh, my God. It's the worst. It's terrible. I forgot about that. I mean, there were That's... two sp- – besides Grady, because Grady was a spinoff of Sanford and Son, where they gave oh Grady his own show. God. Yeah, they did. It was terrible. They also had Sanford Arms. I remember that. And Sanford and just Sanford. And that's when they brought Dennis Berkeley in, the big guy. And now so, just Sanford was just Lamont, right? It wasn't Red Fox? No, 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 no. It was Red Fox. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, and and like oh. the and the Lamont role went to Dennis Berkeley, like he was the counter guy. You know what I mean? Like he oh. was the. Yeah, no, you got to go back in Sanford Arms, Sanford and Grady. Those were all spinoffs of uh, of Sanford and Son. I remember. I well remember Sanford Arms, and Grady was all over that, right? Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gra- okay. but, but Grady, Grady had his own show. My God, was it terrible? Oh. <laughs> So I just I just kept waiting for Bubba to have his own show. That was the one I wanted to watch. So anyway, I, I would right. have watched that. At least yeah, once. hell yeah. I, yeah. Well, I watch I watch anything that has anything to do with Sanford and Son. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. With so the, funny. With so the great funny. the greatest TV theme song of all time is Sanford. And Son. Yep, that's, that's a very good theme song. Yeah, fantastic. All right, Quincy Jones, man, the man. All right, uh, okay, cool. Everybody can check out all the stuff that we've been talking about, the blog, consumerguide.com, Consumer Guide Automotive, every Tuesday, a brand-new episode of the, yep. uh, of the podca- podcast. And, Tom, thank you, buddy, for joining me, and we will talk to you the day after everything is loud and crazy downtown. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, buddy, take care. Thanks, Nick. All right, man. Tom Appel, he's the best. Check out Consumer Guide Automotive. And, oh, look who's knocking at the door. It's my dad. It's time for my dad's joke. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Ah, yes! Here we go! Yeah. It is a Tuesday, and even on a For the People episode, my, dad's comes, my dad comes busting into the house to tell a joke, because it's for the people. You're the people, and you love my dad's jokes. Everybody loves my dad and my dad's jokes, so he stops by every Tuesday to tell a joke. So, Dad, why don't you hit it? Did you hear about the overweight ballerina? She had a worry 3-3. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. All right, Dad. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. I appreciate that. All right, my dad will tell a joke again. (laughs) 
<laughs> next Tuesday. Uh, on the next episode, on Friday, uh, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, my film critic buddies from the Chicago Film Critics Association, will join me to talk about a ton of new movies that are opening this weekend uh, and the box office and all kinds of stool stu- cool stuff. So it's all movies, movie reviews, all that stuff with Eric and Steve. Uh, and anything you guys want to jump in here with, please do. Again, the voicemail system is open 24-7. We want to hear from you anytime, anyplace. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email with questions and comments. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. And again, megaphone messages too. And you want to be a sponsor for this podcast? We have a lot of listeners. You should do that. Reach out to us and say, I want to sponsor the Nick D Podcast or... That show hasn't been funny in years, the SNL podcast. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. And, of course, be, turn, be, be sure to tune in to our streaming service, RadioMisfits.live, 24-7. Anytime you want to hear us, you can. Great programming, great music, great podcasts. My shows on uh, every morning at 9 a.m. you can hear my Saturday Night Live podcast. And every afternoon at 3 p.m. you can hear this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, broadcast live at RadioMisfits.live. So make sure you tune in. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to, uh, to uh, Tom and to Herb for another fantastic episode of For the People. And thanks to you. And we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Wind is right on me.